What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I can find the future inside of me. I can find my promise welcome to the it's all about pink love podcast with dr renair the pink love specialist Hey love, welcome to episode 5 of It's All About Pink Love. Thank you for joining me today. We are talking about closing chapters. When you think of a chapter, you often think of a book. Like how we go from one part of the story to the other. And so as I prepare to go into my 45th year, yes, this is the birthday edition, (laughs) I wanted to take a moment to reflect on the top five things that I've learned coming from 2019 into 2020. 2020 has definitely been a year that none of us could have expected, and it has taken a lot of shifting, a lot of changing, a lot of being flexible in how we show up in the world. Trust and know as I entered 2019, like the the early part of my 44th year, I was excited, but I was nervous. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But as my birthday came in, I was preparing myself to have surgery in a couple of months. I was not that well. And so I had to spend some time contemplating on what the next year would look like. And I didn't understand the gravity of what it would mean until I would get to a spot where I would start to have to be faced with looking at life. There were some pivotal moments in my life that I had to look back over. There's an old gospel song called Testimony, and the word says, when I look back over my life, or as I look back over my life, my apologies, and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I have a testimony, and I recognize today as I'm a few days from crossing over into my new chapter, that I do have a testimony. And I wanted to just point out a couple of things that stood out for me in my hopes that it will help you maybe 
see something you didn't think about, maybe reflect introspectively over the things that you are going through or been in or about to go through. At the same time, it also gave me a new way of looking at life and a new perspective. And now, don't misunderstand. It doesn't mean that I am perfect. It doesn't mean that I still don't have my moments. And it doesn't mean that I still don't have my disappointments. But I am clear on the lessons that Chapter 44 has brought to me. So as I said, I was preparing for surgery as I came into my 44th year, and it was already a difficult situation, and I'm going to explain it a little bit, and pardon me if it sounds a little graphic for some people, but I was having issues around my time, around my time of the month. I was having major fibroid issues. I was um, having um, hemorrhaging. I was... like losing too much blood. I had already had about four blood transfusions over the prior months because I was losing too much blood. So two days before the surgery, they had scheduled me for a blood transfusion. And while I was sitting there, Mother Nature happened. And it it created complications for the impending surgery. Now, In that moment, I just sat there like, I cannot believe this is happening. And I had to release control of the situation because there was nothing that I could do. But when I woke up Tuesday morning, my surgery was scheduled for Wednesday. When I woke up Tuesday morning, I was in a massive amount of pain. I had uh, suffered some more heavy very heavy bleeding the night that, you know, the night before. And when I got up, I just could not, I had no, I had no strength. I was in a massive amount of pain and I contacted the doctors. I told them what was going on. So they told me to prepare to come in the night before to go to the emergency room so that I could be admitted. And that's what I did. But the whole time I was sitting there, I was just like, I cannot believe that this is happening. I thought I had this under control. I thought I had this under control. So I they admit me. They prepare me for 10 a.m. surgery the next day. They wake me up at 6 o'clock with 17,000 needles. All these tests they want to do, they're preparing me for 10 o'clock. At 9-something, nothing. They say, oh, we're going to be running behind. Uh -uh." And then the doctor comes and they say to me, your levels are still low. And see, understand that. Typically, your blood level is supposed to be about a 12 or 13. Mine had uh, at some point gotten to a 6. That's what started the blood transfusions. But now I'm going into this surgery, and I was like a 7 or 8. I had done everything that I could do to get my blood levels up, you know, to get ready for surgery, but me having Mother Nature meet me right before surgery caused those levels to drop quickly. And so in that moment, they said to me, we're not going to be able to do this if the complications are too great. I burst into tears. 
I burst into tears. I could not imagine living. They were talking about another four months. Um, I could not imagine living another four months the way that I had, running back and forth to the doctor, getting blood transfusions, trying to balance out life, trying to balance out work, everything. I just burst into tears. I said, I can't. I will not. You have to do something to help me. And they said, we're going to run another series of tests. We're going to have a meeting, and then we're going to come back. And that's what they did, and they came back. And they said, we need you to understand, if we go forward with this surgery, you might not make it. And in that moment, I had to make a decision. In that moment, I had to to make a life or death decision. I, I, I hit up those that were very close to me. I asked them what their opinion was. And they were like, listen, we don't have to live this out. We don't want to participate in giving you advice on a decision that may or may not take you out of here. And so in that, that lone moment, in that hospital room in Jamaica Hospital, I had a, a a, a come to God moment. Like I had this come to God moment and I said, God, I can't, I will not do this any longer. If this, if, if, if this be my time, it's just going to have to be my time. I can't live like this any longer. And the doctors came back in and I told them my decision and uh, the surgeon looked at me and he said, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to get through this. But the other doctor, there was another doctor whose face, whose face looked like, I don't know if this is a risk you should take. And I caught her by herself and I asked her, I said, I see your face. And she says, it's a risk, but we're going to do the best that we can do. And And I remember having like the hours leading up for them to prep me and get me really ready to go. And I was being wheeled downstairs and they put me in this room where the anesthesiologist came in and he just started talking to me. And he, and he said, you're going to be all right. We, we, we got this. We're going to do this. And the, the, the other residents or, or people that were assisting were, were giving me these words of encouragement. But the only word of encouragement I had in that moment was a prayer that I said to God. I said, God, if this be it, thank you. All is well. And I'm going to tell you, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it because my next words was, Lord, if this is all that there is, just meet me at the gate. That was real for me. In that moment, I had reflected over the prior 40-something years of my life and had accepted that all that was good and all that was not so great was well. Which leads me to my first thing that I learned was don't take life for granted. There was a space of gratitude in that moment, in the moment where I had to 
be real. There's an old song that says, it is well with my soul. Like in that moment, it had to be well with my soul because there was nothing that I could do. There was no place that I was going to be able to go. And if in that moment, I was not going to get off that table, I had to become okay with every loss, every success, every accomplishment, every, just everything. Needless to say, you can see that I, I, I woke up, but I almost died on the table. They literally had to give me four bags of blood, two bags of plasma. I, I almost died on the table. And when I woke up and I came to, my partner and my best friend were standing there, and they were just looking at me. And I just remember the look on their face. And I remember the doctor's look on their face when they came to see me and they said, we almost, and all I could think is, but God. In that moment, I learned to be grateful for life because you never know what could happen, what could come, and that could be your moment. And I mean, fast forward a few months later, we would be met with COVID-19 and, and especially here in New York, be faced with what life looked like, like how real, I mean, I don't know about anybody else. And I know some people think that it's not real and everything else, but I lost some people that I knew related to COVID, right? And so it it gives you this, this space where you you have to look at life. You have to look at life. And I found myself... Um, accepting of everything that happened. But as I began to look at life, I started to think about my next year. I mean, I had, after I started to recover from surgery, I don't know, I always joke, they must have given me the blood of someone. I'm very excited about life <laughs> because my whole outlook on life changed. I wanted to do the things that I always wanted to do. I wanted to experience things. I wanted to reconnect with those that was that were close to me, and it just I just became grateful for everything. But as I came into the new year, I had this idea. You know, I had been applying for conferences. I was in the middle of revamping my business to more of a motivational speaking firm and uh, empowerment work, and I had lined up. All these things, as I got ready to take 2020 by storm, I was so excited. I had so many things on the agenda <laughs> for what was to come for me. And then COVID hit, and it changed everything. So here I was all set to take 2020 by storm, like I said, and I had closed the coaching part of my practice. I had <laughs> signed up for all of these things. I'd gotten back to work. Life was happening. Things were going. And then COVID hit. And most of the conferences that I was slotted to speak for either were canceling or they were going viral. My symposium was scheduled for March, but we didn't know what was fully, completely happening. So I had not moved and rescheduling it any, because at that point, there had not been any um, ordinances or things put in place for the events yet. At that time, we knew that things were shifting, but we did not know how much. 
and fun. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I had this plan. Guys, I had this plan. People, I had this plan. There was no way in the world that I was going to not be successful this year. I was well. <laughs> I was mentally well. I was psychologically well. I was well, honey. And I was just like, oh, no, there's no way. But when all of that happened, the ordinance came out that no more gathering at hotels for 50 people or more happened. And I was like, oh, snap. What am I going to do about my symposium? What am I going to do about my speaking engagements? What am I going to do? Because this was my livelihood, right? And I didn't want to be insensitive to the fact that something was happening in the world, but there was a part of me internally that was just like, oh no, how do I, how do I handle this? And so the symposium in a matter of seven days had to be completely taken online. That was workshops, everything. I'm so thankful for the people that came together for me because I had no idea how I was going to, A, not just make it happen, but B, train myself in the span of a few days to learn the software to pull it off. I had to replan the plan. That's number two. Replan the plan. Even as all of the, the speaking engagements, the conferences were canceled, I was actually laid off from my job. Everything started to happen, and I was just like, I got to replan the plan. I got to replan the plan. And so I want to say that to somebody because sometimes we get so rigid in what we expect to happen, how we expect to happen, how we expect to happen it, right? <laughs> how we expect it to happen that we become so focused on like, if it doesn't happen this way, it's not good. If it doesn't show up this way, it's not going to work. If I have to make any Concessions to what it is that I'm going to do, there's a problem. No. Sometimes it's in the bending. Sometimes it's in the replanning that we learn something new about ourselves. I learned software in five days to put on a webinar, formatted symposium virtually online that had two workshops and a full panel in the span of seven days. I learned marketing, switching from being in person to virtual, getting the word back out, updating everyone, shifting the platforms. I learned that I was capable of making something like that happen. I went back to my business plan, shifted, reopened the coaching element of it because in this time people needed it. I needed it. I needed to be able to give back to everyone in a way that would be um, beneficial for them and for me. 
Because when, when everything first happened, I was so stunned I couldn't do anything. And then people started reaching out and saying, hey, um, are you still coaching? Hey, my relationship needs some help. Are you still coaching? And at first I said, no. I retired. I put that to the side. Not at all, my friend. And then something said, what are you doing? Be who you are. Show up. You want to be motivational? Be motivational. And then I had to sit down and pull out my business plan and revamp everything. And guess what? It was one of the best decisions that I made because I was reminded that I actually still love to coach. I still loved to to be able to have that intimate space with people. And it has just shifted the entire dynamic of my company and my business. And I still have the motivational elements. I still do the workshops. I'm still writing. I'm still doing all the things that I was doing. But now I have this element back in place. And it's, it's, it's revised. It's different. It's a little bit more... Um, uh, one-on-one in that I don't have a full roster. I have select few and a waiting list. (laughs) But that's me being real with you to say, had I got stuck where I was, I wouldn't be able to replan the plan. I would have just crumbled under it, said that this is a failure, said that this wasn't a success, and then just been right there. But because I was able to replan the plan, I was able to make some changes that proved to be life-changing for me and purposeful in moving in what God had me to do. So although I'm clear I'm not going to make it through all five, like now I'm clear I'm not going to make it through all five. So this is going to be part one. (laughs) Part one, and that's great because then I get to tell you the other two on the other side of the birthday, right? So as I begin to replan the plan, I realized that I needed to deal with other things that was happening around me because what was also happening, not just my business shifting, this last part kind of happened like immediately after that and even continued until a few weeks ago because I talked about it a little bit in the last show. But I learned that it is okay. Number three, it is okay for people to do what they need to do for them. That's a big lesson for me because I always take things personal. And see, I told you, I talk about being transparent here because I want you to understand that I am not perfect. Every day is learning. Every day is ever evolving. And so sometimes when people do things that are best for them, especially if they affect me or include me, I don't always do well with that. I don't always do well with that. Like, I want you to do things the way that I want you to do things. I want you to show up for me the way I would show up for you. I want you to be the friend to me that I would be to you. I want you to be the partner to me that I would be to you. I want you to talk to me the way that I would talk to you. And I have come to realize that that's not always possible. It's not. As much as I want it to be possible, it's not always possible. And so when things happen, they become personal to me. And then I get angry. And then I press a little harder. 
And then I push a little further. And then things go way wrong after that. <laughs> because when you start to impede upon someone else's desire and will that they have for their life, it can be offending. It can be insulting. And for me, I'm pushing to seek closure or to have a conversation or to seek healing. And that may not be what the other person desires or wants in that moment. So one of the biggest things that I've learned about this year is that I have to be okay with people doing what is best for them. Because at, 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 at bare minimum, I'm doing what is best for me. At bare minimum, I'm showing up or attempting to show up in what is best for me. And so it's not it, it, it's not fair for me to overly judge or to um, internalize what someone does when they do what's best for them. Because when I do what's best for me, I don't want you to internalize what I do. Because I'm going to tell you it's nothing personal to you. It may not mean that I don't love you. It may not mean that I don't care about you. But what it means is right now and what is going on, this is not conducive for me. Whether it's a job, whether it's a, a, a relationship dynamic, even if it's something that um, maybe I promised to do something, but along the way I realized that I wasn't the person to do it. The reality is people have the right to do what is best for them, as do I. As do I, because I never want someone to, to, to walk away feeling like they didn't get a chance to talk or they didn't get closure, which is, is, is number four. So I might actually make it through five of them. There won't always be closure. Closure often is for you. And, and if the other person desires closure, then it'll be for them. If the job desires closure. Being laid off taught me that even a job doesn't require closure. That was just really quick. Like, I was in the middle of a work day. I thought my boss, I promise you, I thought my boss was calling me to schedule this meeting that we were supposed to have this afternoon. And in the midst of the conversation, he just started apologizing because he was supposed to tell me last week and didn't, that I was out of a job. And the reality it hit me so hard. And after that, honey, they had um, turned off, like, my email within the span of 10 minutes. I had to, like, send a special email to get access to my drive. I had files on my drive that I needed to get to. They had completely closed me down really quickly. No closure, no conversation, no nothing. I did eventually get a call from HR to wrap up some final, you know, some final things. But there was no closure. None. Next thing I know, I was getting a box of myself from my desk. <laughs> you know, like, it was just that deep. I opened the box. I was like, oh, wow, this is, oh, this is my stuff from my desk. And so in the midst of some other things that I had been sharing about over the past couple of weeks, as it related to some friendships and things that I had that had started to shift, I didn't get closure. I didn't get that goodbye conversation. I didn't get that, well, you know, this is why I'm making this decision. Here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Here's why I'm ghosting you. Here's why I'm not going to talk to you anymore. None of that. So I learned very, number four, there won't always be closure. There won't always be closure. 
And the last lesson that I learned as I go into chapter 45 is in spite of everything, five, I owe it to myself. I owe it to myself to be the best me. I owe it to myself to continue to work on healing. I owe it to myself to show up as the best entrepreneur. I owe it to myself to show up as the best coach. I owe it to myself to continue to experience life, the life that I refuse to take for granted, the life that sometimes makes me have to replan the plan, the life that made me understand that it's okay for people to do what is best for them. The life that made me understand there won't always be closure. I owe it to myself because my life is worth it. I am worthy of it. I want to see what it looks like to show up in my full dynamic self. I want to see what it looks like when I put in 125%. I owe that to myself. After all of the things that I have been through, all of the things I've overcome, as I look back over my life and think things over, that I'm blessed. And because I'm blessed, I owe it to myself to experience life in all that it is and in its greatest forms. Got a little, got a little Holy Ghost filled. <laughs> got a little, got a little spirit jumped up in there for a second because I just began to be so grateful. I began to celebrate internally, like what it means to show up in my life. And so those are the five things if I could leave you with. Don't take life for granted. You can always replan the plan. It is okay for people to do what is best for them. There won't always be closure. And at the end of it all, I owe it to myself. And I pray that you are able to take one of these things and apply it to your life or maybe all five and apply it over your next year. But know that, know that there is so much in the present moment. There's so much that we can continue to learn and there's so much greater that we can continue to be. Inside of that conversation of what pink love, heart space love looks like, inside of that conversation of being our best and greatest self, inside of the conversation of doing the work that we need to do to be the best us that we can be, it is inside of those conversations that I've learned my greatest lessons of 2019 into 2020. And I am looking forward for what 2020 into 2021, my 45th chapter will bring. And one of the best things and most grateful things that I am, I am celebrating is that chapter 45 will continue to be all about pink love and that I get to walk that journey with each and every one of you. So until we meet again, until we talk again on the other side, continue to be blessed and remember it is all about pink love. Thank you for joining Dr. Renier today. For ways to stay connected, please visit www.pinklovewellness.com. You can also follow her on social media. She is Renier Amen everywhere. I can find my future inside of me. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.